1: What's up, champs, and welcome to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts program. I am your host, Ben Burnett, and joining me, as always, my co-host, Louis Ezekiel, and the E is for, holy crap, O.V., what another (laughs) performance from the Russian god at this point? Can we just... Can we just skip the formalities and say it? He's the man is a god.
0: Yeah, he's absolutely achieved that god mode. Yeah, what what more is there to say? He's really great. I'm against him in my buddy keeper, so disappointed to see it, but that's not my uh that's not the league I lose sleep over, so I think I'll be okay.
1: Yeah, I'm also getting just absolutely destroyed in my friends keeper league, and it does not matter because I'm very far ahead in the categories list. So, um looking at the last couple of weeks for Ovechkin, what is this? 14 goals in his last like 7 games? Like what is this man doing? Like how is he achieving this? Well, I need I need answers, Lewis.
0: Especially because every time he scores Twitter goes nuts with a bunch of pictures of Ovi standing in the Ovi spot and saying, "Hey, someone should probably pick that dude up. He's going to shoot and score." I we
1: have we haven't talked about this before, Lewis. Where do you stand on the Ovechkin chases Gretzky? uh side of the argument i am fully on board i want to see someone break that record in my lifetime
0: yeah i'm for it i think it's great you know uh Ovi lost a season and a half to lockouts and the fact that he's even in consideration i think is cool yeah i'm with you like i think it's just fun to see things change and see records get chased and broken so uh yeah may he play 10 more years
1: hell yeah i'm on board let's talk about washington though since we're already on the subject uh, you alluded to it earlier. Ilya Samsonov took a OV slapper to the chin, apparently, literally, in practice today and looked pretty dazed. They had to help him off the ice. Afterwards, he was walking around. Apparently, he gave the uh, the I'm OK-ish hand signal, like the old so-so. So apparently, he may not be too, too injured, but he did not back up Holtby tonight. Uh, thoughts on a possible injury to Samsonov?
0: Well, like you said, it seems like it's gonna be, uh, pretty low impact. He seems like he should be alright. I think the the big thing that it does is, you know, we, we don't know for sure who would have started tonight's game, but you know, it, it gave an opportunity for Holtby to get in there and get uh, what I declared to be a slam dunk victory versus L.A. when I was writing the notes. Behind it, I have check for accuracy. I don't know why I hedged my bets. I knew it was going to be a slam dunk victory, but uh, it does give him the option, you know, to go up against the L.A. Kings squad, who shoot a ton, don't score all that much, uh, it's a nice opportunity for Holtby to not get a really bad start and help take back that number one spot a little bit.
1: I don't really know why they wouldn't have started him regardless. You know what I mean? It's like if you're trying to figure if you're trying to get his game in order for a playoff run here, you would you would probably want to give him the easy start against LA regardless. So I, you know, I know that I'm playing devil's advocate here. You and Elon are both heavily involved in Team Samsonov. Uh, I, I bring a little bit of that down-the-middle centrism to this discussion, for sure. Yeah, I, I don't really hate the move to start Holby here, regardless of whether Samsonov is injured.
0: I think you're absolutely right. You know, you're trying to get him back in game shape, let him face a bunch of low-danger shots. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but, you know, not much has made sense with the other decisions that have been made from my perspective, which, again, is exceedingly biased. So, you know, why why might this that also, you know, it could have also been a decision that doesn't make a ton of sense uh, today. But I think you're right. I think it's a it's a wise centrist call there.
1: Well, and from a goalie injury in the Metro, we'll hop over to the Atlantic where we saw Frederick Anderson, uh, be collided into. I know that I'm using grammar in a way that's going to cause you to have a coronary, so that's what I'm, I'm going for here. Uh, Frederick Anderson left the game after the first last night, the, uh, Leafs versus Panthers, and Did not return uh, a mysterious upper body injury, as you described it to me earlier. What are we thinking with Anderson out in Toronto for at least the short term?
0: It was unclear which incident actually caused this injury. He did get bumped into a few times during the first period. He was updated Tuesday as being day-to-day with some kind of neck injury. That doesn't sound great for a goalie. It seems pretty important to be able to turn your head pretty rapidly. Uh, so that is a little bit worrisome. Obviously, this is in development. We'll know more by uh, when we're recording Thursday night's show. So we'll definitely give you an update then. Uh, Hutchinson, you know, he he looked shaky. He gave up four third period goals to the Panthers. Uh, you know, after Anderson, it's a little bit dangerous there. I know that you have some positive feelings towards Hutchinson kind of lately. Um, the Leafs just overall haven't done a great job protecting their goalies at even strength. They have the seventh-highest even-strength expected goals against in the league. Uh, of course, they make up for it with their high-flying offense, which has the third-highest expected goals for. So that's nice. Um, They also have, overall as a team, the 7th worst 5v5 save percentage. Uh, And Anderson and Hutchinson themselves are kind of underperforming relative to an average goalie with a similar workload. Uh, According to Corsica Hockey, Anderson is at minus 7.1 goals saved above average, and Hutch is minus 2.1 in about one-third of the game. So really right along the same track. So some of this blame does lie on the goalies and not just with the teams. Now I know that today's result is ugly, well, for the team I'm about to talk about, but is it crazy to suggest that having a Buffalo goalie, Buffalo has the ninth best five five v five expected goals against and the seventh best five v five save percentage? Do you think it's a safer bet for goalie rate stats than Toronto?
1: I think you know it's it's always been the knock on this Toronto this iteration of the Toronto Maple Leafs that. They are all offense and they don't really have a leg to stand on defensively. The Toronto Maple Leafs are a good team where you can get wins and the Buffalo Sabres are a middling defensive team that almost never wins. So in this case, if you're a league average goalie, then I suppose you might want to have uh, the, bu- you might want to be on Buffalo for you- the sake of rate stats. But if we're talking about the goaltenders who are likely to carry the workload while Olmark and Anderson are down, then I think I would still rather have Hutchinson because I think he's more likely to get wins with Toronto than Hutton, who I think is just gonna be terrible despite the fact that Buffalo is a, you know, league average defensive defensive team and you know we have this long history of seeing him be awful there whereas Hutchinson you know maybe we can see him settle into a role here in Toronto he had one good game against my Rangers right before this injury and then you know maybe you can throw out the uh the four goals against coming in cold against Florida the other night I don't know if you're uh you're willing to do that I will say you know you mentioned that we will give an update on Thursday This could be the sort of thing where we don't know with the timeline. Like, this could be another concussion for Anderson, and that would be something to worry about if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan or an Anderson owner.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, As someone who has come in cold to play goalie in a game, different sport, but... Uh, I can attest to the fact that it can be hard to adjust. So I'll I'll give Hutch a pass this time through. Here's another question for you. Do you think we'll see a new goalie come to Toronto before the end of the week or maybe before the trade deadline here? Is it time to start talking about uh, Georgiev's season in the six?
1: I would love for this to be the marker where the price on Georgiev just goes through the roof for Toronto. Alternately, Lewis, what I would... What I would absolutely love, and I know that the salary cap will not allow it, but if there was some sort of Kyle Dubas cap finagling that could go on where Henrik Lundqvist could show up at a very reduced cap rate in Toronto and help steer them towards a Stanley Cup... That would be my ultimate goal as a as a uh, as a Rangers fan second, Henrik Lundqvist fan first. But the Georgie of hype has to be there. I don't know if it's just media driven or not. So that's kind of the tough thing is. The goalie market always seems a little bit overrated. And, you know, then we see these trades after weeks or months of speculation. And, you know, it's for a second rounder and maybe some prospect. So I'm not getting my hopes up until we see a deal, until we see the official TSA Bob McKenzie account tweeting it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we got one more injury to talk about. We'll just do this one very briefly. So Alex Barkov has missed the last couple games with an injury. Obviously painful for the folks who are hoping to ride along with Barkov with some of potential streamers uh, from Florida for their Monday Tuesday games. He missed those but they expect him to be back on Thursday. We'll see if that comes to pass and certainly update you when we see it. but in the meantime uh, hopefully you know he'll be making his quick return back to Florida who certainly needs him driving their offense.
1: Yeah, Florida, an interesting team lately, suddenly back in the playoff race, and we've seen a little bit of a bounce back from Bobrovsky. Another uh, great start from him tonight, but not a W, which is definitely what they were hoping for.
0: Yep, absolutely right. Uh, they, you know, they did, they did take it all the way to overtime, 0 with Columbus, which I think is kind of the best you can do, uh, when you get into a Blue Jackets kind of strangle fight the way that they're going. Uh, ended up being Zach Wierenski scoring in overtime, someone I'm going to talk about just a little bit later. Alright, well, Lewis, speaking of later, let's get to later, because we have, uh, February 5th actually marks
1: the Kakupful, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy Leagues trade deadline, and that means that it is... Either too late to get into trade advice for the Cuckupful, but time for many other leagues. I know most of my leagues are mid-February. We get to that trade deadline. But maybe you guys can get a last-minute deal in here on the Wednesday if you're listening and a member of the Cuckupful. Lewis and I are have both taken one side of the slate. I've gone and looked at players I think you should buy. Lewis has looked at players that he thinks that you should sell. And we are going to try and sell one another on going out and either getting or trading away these players. I am on the buy side of things. I'm trying to convince Lewis that he should be going out to buy some of these players. I'm going to start in Dallas. I think that this guy's been on the minds of fantasy owners all year because he really has not hit his full stride and been the guy that we expect year in and year out consistently to be around a 75 to 80 plus point player. And that's, of course, Tyler Sagan. Obviously a very disappointing season. He's pacing for only 60 points, which would be his lowest since 2013, one of his first couple of years in the league with Boston. A lot of things are coinciding to make this such a difficult year for him, though. We've seen drops in shooting percentage at even strength. He actually has a sub-3% shooting on the power play. He's pacing for only two power play goals on the entire year, and he has a very low on-ice shooting percentage. I mean, there are reasons for concern, and I I highlighted this when we talked, I think, about Alex Radulov in A Patron 5 a few weeks ago, when I was talking about how all of the stars forwards are seeing a decrease in their time on ice. You don't love to see it, but what is interesting is that though his shot rate for the season is down by about 25 or 30 shots, his shot rate per 60 is still even, and his individual expected goal rate is in line with previous years. So I think that we're still looking at the same player. I don't think that there's been a Huge drop-off in quality. I think it's really just been poor luck and worse deployment than he's used to seeing in terms of total ice time. So I think that if you could go out and get Tyler Sagan at a 60-point pace for a player who is of equivalent 60 to 65-point value, I think that that's someone that I would look at, uh, that I would be trying to add I thought of a few players here that I would be willing to give up for Tyler Sagan. Let me know if any of these deals would work for you, Lewis. If I offered you Philip Forsberg, Jonathan Taves, or Jakob Varana for Tyler Sagan, do you think that that could get it done?
0: You know, I think that Jakob Varana offer is really interesting because he's starting to see that power play one time. You know, he is still keeping up that nice pace that we saw and talked about last week. Last week it was around 100 point pace uh, over the previous 10 games. Now we're looking at about a 90 point pace over the previous 10 games. But it's, you know, that's a really appealing player. Um, you know, I think Sagan, you know, that individual expected goal rate is is so much higher than what he's got and it's so unusual because most of the superstars we're seeing are way above their expected goal rate. So it seems like there's a ton of room to improve there. Um, I think those are really appealing potential offers. I think you do have to go with a big name because it's going to be tough to, you know, pry just because there's a ton of name value for Tyler Segan as well. I think you need someone who, you know, is not just a flash in a pan uh, to really get people on board unless they are delving deeper into the numbers. So, uh, you know, those Phil Forsberg uh, offer, I think, is really interesting. And Verano, if you can sell them on getting that um, power play one time.
1: Yeah, the interesting thing, I think, with Jakub Verana, I mean, you mentioned him as a possibility for 70 points. I think that that would put him around, you know, I, I'm not buying Tyler Sagan at a point per game at this point, but, you know, 70 to 75 would be more or less within my expectations. So maybe Jakub Verana is somebody who
0: you should be holding
1: on to while he's holding on to that top power play
0: opportunity. Well, I'll tell you what, as I was looking at my cell highs, I did a whole thing on Verana, and then I decided, eh, with that power play time, he's you know he's uh, getting onto that first power play, he is getting some nice sheltered zone starts, ultimately I decided that I would go another direction for my cell, because I do think Verana is worth holding, unless you can get a really good deal for him.
1: Before I send that over to you, Lewis, let me just give a few more players who I think would be interesting by targets. I'm looking at someone like Johnny Gaudreau, who I still think is underperforming in Calgary. Two other forwards, Gabriel Landeskog and Dylan Larkin, both on pace between 50 and 60 points. I think we see each of them deliver an uptick in performance before the end of the year
0: for shooting percentage-related reasons. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are a couple guys who we could really see bounce back there a little bit Gaudreau, I think makes for a very appealing pick although he does have a goal here on Tuesday night but yeah I I really like that one um I worry about Larkin just because we don't know what the situation is with Mantha potentially coming back and I think those two really work well together and Larkin could certainly use the support there's not much else going on that's positive in Detroit uh so yeah I think those are some interesting targets for sure
1: I'm with you there why don't you tell us who your first sell
0: is All right, well, I was going to uh, talk about Verana, but ultimately decided I would go another direction, and I'll sort of explain why in relative terms. You know, I'm going with another one of my fantasy fave raves from this season, Dominic Kubelik. Uh, I'm here to advocate that you keep him a favorite by selling him at peak value for somebody more reliable, uh, especially if he manages to hit the score sheet. During the back-to-back on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, here on Tuesday night, that game is still in progress, so he's got a chance here. Um, you know, Kubalik and Verana have been pretty similar in a lot of ways this season. F- right now, Kubalik is ranked number 34 in average fantasy points over the last month in the full. Verana is at 47 uh, over the last 30 days, and they both have elevated shooting percentages, high even strength individual points percentage, so they're getting in on more goals than usual at even strength, uh, and some limited power play exposure, although Verana's is starting to improve here. Uh, ultimately, I decided that of the two, Verana is more likely to maintain a good scoring rate due to a couple main factors. First is that Verana is getting that delicious power play 1 deployment, Not doing a whole ton with it quite yet, but, um, you know, certainly that's where you want to be if you're playing for the capitals is up on that power play one with Carlson and Ovechkin. The other is that Verana is really enjoying some nicely sheltered deployment. Because Kubalik has been attached to Taves, who, you know, is responsible for a lot of uh, the defensive forward responsibilities for the Blackhawks, uh, he's getting more defensive zone starts. Uh, Verano holds about a 10% advantage in offensive zone starts. Uh, Along with that superior power play deployment, I think it's going to put him in a much better position to maintain those numbers. So he's starting about 58% of his. Zone starts in the offensive zone, uh, and that's gonna, you know, just put them closer to the goal, give them more opportunities to score. That's obviously the kind of thing we want to see. Uh, I do think that Kubelik's production is more of a mirage. Neither is likely to maintain their current pace, but if Verana drops down, you know, that pace I think falls maybe towards the mid 60s, whereas Kubalik could become a 50 pointer in pretty short order, especially with a line change. Uh, it's really hard to imagine that happening to Verona given his current situation. So do you think that a guy like Kubelik, who's you know up there in the top handful of players uh, right now in the cupful, do you think you could go after a Gaudreau or maybe a Lindholm or a Marcheseau? Uh, You know, kind of this list of 60-ish point players who uh, are capable of performing above the pace that they're on right now.
1: I think Goudreau would probably be shooting your shot a little too high just because the name value of somebody who typically puts up 80 to 90 points, you know, if you've held on to him all year, then you still know that he's capable of more. So I don't think you would probably be able to land a Goudreau. I think someone like Lindholm is very, very doable, though. And I think that that would be an interesting an interesting player to chase after just because he's still getting pretty decent deployment in Calgary after the coaching change. And I think that if they see any level of regression for their team shooting percentage, that he becomes a lot more interesting.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And if you could get Marcia, so that would probably just be my favorite thing that you could do.
0: Yeah, that would be really outstanding.
1: All right, I'm going to get into a defenseman that I think that you should be targeting. And this is someone who may seem weird to call a buy because he is a rookie defenseman on, points for, on pace for 70 points. But I would be looking to get Kale McCarr in a one-year in any way that I could – The reason I say that, right now he's pacing for 55 points in the 15 games since he's returned for injury, so you know, maybe folks are starting to think, hey, this guy might be hitting a bit of a rookie wall here. That's after tonight's game where he added another assist. Uh, The other thing is, only one power play point in his last 10, despite really being back from that weird blip where Sam Girard took over for him on the top power play unit, The main thing here, though, is I don't see any reason why Makar can't continue at the at a similar pace. You know, he was a bit of a sell for me earlier at 70-point pace, but if he could be a 60-point guy moving forward, he has a ton of value. And the other thing is that the Avalanche have an elite schedule for weeks 21 and 22, the first two weeks of the Cupful Playoffs, four game weeks, both of them, and each of them filled with off-night games. So I am targeting a couple of these Colorado Avalanche. I mentioned Landeskog earlier. You know, someone like Miko Rantanen has bounced back quite a bit over the last four or five games but previously to that he was an incredible buy if i'm shopping right now i am looking for kale mccarr
0: yeah that's bold i'll admit i did a bit of a double take when i saw him on the buy list because i'm thinking that's gonna be uh you're gonna have your hands full trying to pry him out of the out of the roster of you know whichever opponent holds on to him uh, what's your what's your plan in that regard? Well, I mean, I think in
1: any case, if you're looking at buying someone in the trade deadline, you need to remember that it's a bad idea to just go after these players as hard as you can. Instead, what you should really be doing is looking for teams that you can target, teams who have surpluses in different positions. And if I see a team who has a, you know, three or four great defensemen and I see Kale McCarr there, someone who this team could afford to lose, maybe they're starting to think because of the, the downtick in production over the last month or two, that's where I'm starting to look at Kale McCarr. What I would be looking at is probably trading a forward, a 70 point forward for Kale McCarr and hoping that he can more than make up for the slight downtick in points by being from a position of greater scarcity.
0: So I know I said I wouldn't be particularly interested in trading away Jakub Verrana, but I would trade Jakub Verrana for Kale McCarr in a heartbeat. How about that?
1: Yes, I would definitely do that. Um, a few other defensemen that I would try and maybe pry Kale McCarr away with. What about super hot Tony D'Angelo? uh Mark Giordano strikes me as someone who's been really hot lately that maybe you could you could sell on his last year production as well and then another guy uh Jeff Petrie after that four point game last week his his longer term stats look a lot nicer after that game right
0: yeah i think that's um i think that's quite interesting i like the idea this is some some quality uh trade analysis i really like the the thinking that goes into it i think you can go to these gms and sort of emphasize the You know uh, the recent production, especially for if you're trying to to sell off a guy like D'Angelo to get you know someone who is slumping a little bit, even though he's you know kind of the talk of fantasy defensemen this season. So really, you know, if you can if you can clarify some of these numbers and show some of these splits, potentially, I think sometimes when you're in a deal like that, it comes off as kind of uh, trying a little hard. But I think it can be worthwhile to sort of you know, help you develop and make your argument.
1: I mean, to your point, you are definitely going to have to put on your salesman cap a little bit to get Kale McCarr, unless you are speaking with someone who, as I said, is a little bit down on him, thinks maybe that he's run into the rookie wall a little bit, and they're looking for someone who's been more consistent more recently. Uh, other defensemen that I would be targeting right now, if you could, Oscar Kleffbaum still getting elite levels of power play minutes in Edmonton with uh, Settle and McDavid. He really hasn't been able to capitalize on that, but I don't see any reason why he can't be more a part of the power play moving forward. Also, like Neil Pionk, I don't think he's underperforming, but he's just so good this year, and I I really don't think that the popular consensus has really caught up to just how much he's stolen that top power play spot in Winnipeg and really run with it. So I really like Neil Pionk, if you can get him from an owner who doesn't realize that he's... You know, turning into a number one defenseman on fantasy teams. And then if you could get Ivan Provorov you know, still on that top power play unit, this would be something you're looking at more in a bangers league. He's just been, he's such a category filler. And I think that the points should come a little bit more so than they have been lately.
0: So, something that I really love about that Piak idea is that unlike Kale McCarr, this is somebody who is much, um, uh, much less kind of exposure in sort of fantasy talk. I feel like he's not somebody that mm-hmm. everybody is is discussing constantly. So making those types of kind of lower profile offers, I think, can, can be uh, a really smart move. Why don't you tell us a defenseman that you are looking to sell, Lewis? All right. So I'm going to go with somebody who scored a game-winning overtime goal just today, uh, and that guy is former Michigan Wolverine Zach Wierenski. <gasps> I know. Can you believe it? I'm finding an excuse to talk about the Wolverine. (laughs) Uh, So this guy is number one in defensive shooting percentage. Uh, Both are on the power play, shooting 20% on the PP, and number three in even strength shooting percentage at 10.2%. These numbers were researched before Tuesday night's game, just for clarity. Uh, he's shooting more than 2.5% better than his career best at even strength, and more than 11% better than his career best on the power play. You know, some of his other indicators, his on ice shooting percentage isn't crazy high, although it is the best of his career by a percent. Um, his scoring nearly double his individual expected goals with 15 goals versus 7.97 individual expected goals as of uh, Tuesday afternoon. So, you know, his IPPs at even strength and on the power play are reasonable, and he's on pace to shoot around the total shots for his highly successful 2017-18 campaign, so ending up around 170 shots on goal. Uh, Those are some stats that I would want to highlight while you're making your offer, um, but I see Wierenski as a really appealing overachiever who makes a good trade bait candidate, Um, and I think, you know, he could be someone who might draw some attention uh, maybe if you paired him up with uh, somebody and made that Kale McCarr offer potentially. Uh,
1: Lewis, let's get to these goaltenders, though. I have a few names here that I think are interesting, one of whom is a bit of a Mia culpa for me. I kind, of, I kind of poo-pooed him last week when you brought him up. I will say that my philosophy with goalies, and I know I've said this before, but I am not willing to pay a huge price to grab any goalie because, as everyone knows, goalies are voodoo and they are all bad. So I'm going to list a few players that I'm interested in, but I would not be giving up a ton. If I can get them off the waiver wire, all the better. If I can get them for a depth forward or defense piece, that's fine too. Talked about them last week, and I didn't know. I wasn't ready to believe it just yet. But Matt Murray is starting to look awfully nice out there on, uh, he's not on any of my waiver wires, but if I could pry him from somebody who held on, you know, so long, and they're just kind of like, God, I hope I can get some value out of this guy. Looks like he's rounding into form at the right time yet again. If you look at his numbers, he's been outperforming Jari over the last 30 days, just like you pointed out last week. I wasn't ready to buy then. But after seeing Pittsburgh give him the start on Sunday, I think that shows that this is at the least a 50-50 split. And if Murray's been the better goalie for a long enough sample, I don't see why he wouldn't get some run. I am into Matt Murray. What do you think about that?
0: So, you know, as you pointed out, I was starting to sound the alarm bell about this last week, in, in large part because I'm a nervous Jari owner in a lot of leagues. Um, and, you know, Matt Murray really did round back into form the last couple of years. He sort of followed the same pattern. This time, the the valley was a little bit lower and for a little bit longer. Um, But, you know, to see him kind of climb back into this goalie battle, I don't think is a big surprise to people who have been watching him closely the last couple of years. And as I've been holding him the last few years, I've definitely seen this pattern develop. Um, So, you know, it, it seems to be... As you know, something that is close to predictable in in goalies in the NHL, which is not easy. Um, but yeah, I, I would not be surprised to see him really, uh, you know, start to make a move on taking over uh, that job back from Jari. Absolutely, and I think also there is a risk that you know
1: Matt Murray goes out and just wins this job back. So we'll see. You know, we've seen Pittsburgh give him run before. But, uh, but it'll be interesting to see what they do in this case. I have two more interesting buys that I'm gonna just burn through and then I'll let you finish this off with your goalie sell. I'm kind of interested in Carey Price as a bounce back in the second half. He's been really good. He did the same thing last year where he looked really shaky in the first half and then finished really strong. I think he could be an excellent second half own. The other piece to that is just the watching Montreal get healthy right now. Brendan Gallagher back. We should be starting to see you know Paul Byron. Max Stone or sorry, Jonathan Drouin, all of these players coming back. And Montreal's not a half bad team once they're fully healthy. So I don't mind going out and getting Carey Price if you can get him at a reduced rate. Any other guy that I'm sort of interested in, and I think that I've seen him mentioned quite a bit recently, is Sergei Bobrovsky. As Florida rounds into form, so has he. I'm sure that the two are connected. But I think if you can get him dirt cheap, as he is just now, I think, getting back over that 900 save percentage hump, I'm not against hoping that he can turn things around here. Lewis, take us home with your final sell of the evening.
0: All right, well, call me Freddie Foreshadowing here because I was... uh... You know, I have Columbus on the brain as I am thinking about my last goalie that I want to sell high and I may take some heat for this and maybe this is maybe this is uh, a a ferocious take, but I think getting out there and selling on Elvis Merzlikens while you have the chance another one of this year's fantasy darlings, uh, be a really good approach and I'm interested to see your take on this because, um, I do think that it's a bit, a bit of a bold one, uh, you know, he's had... This isn't even really about sustainable numbers. You know, I think that he is perfectly capable of continuing to do what he's doing. Um, but I think that his value is capping out right now because with Corpusalo set to return before too much longer, uh, Merslickens and his outstanding rates are likely to see a significant drop in starts. Uh, and Elvis has been marginally better than Corpusalo in a number of stats. His even-strength and power play save percentages are a touch higher. His goals saved above average is an improvement. Um, but the the Blue Jackets are 7th in the league in expected goals against, 2nd best at suppressing high-danger chances against. You know, it seems like uh, a lot of goalies could find success uh, behind that blue line and behind that system, uh, sort of regardless of, of who they may be or what they're capable of. Um, so assuming... They both maintain their health, and there's a minimal disparity in terms of their performance. You have to think moving forward that Elvis is probably going to top out at around half the starts, don't you think?
1: I I do agree with you, and I think that you've got some great analysis here. I definitely think that this is a sort of situation that becomes a 1A, 1B really quickly. And just like that, Lewis, we are out of time. For myself, Ben Burnett, so long, folks.
0: Why don't you sign us off? Alright, well we want to thank Yahoo, Fantrax, Natural Stat Trick, and Corsica Hockey for helping us research this episode. Uh, Thanks to all the patrons of Keeping Carlson who help keep us going. You can become a patron of Keeping Carlson at keepingcarlson.com slash patron. You get access to the uh, members-only Facebook group. Uh, You can chat with Ben and myself and Brian and Elon and all of our brilliant patrons. You can join up uh, the most exciting fantasy league I play in like a cupful, full, uh, huge multi-tiered, uh, you know, year by year moving up to try and become the ultimate champion. It's very exciting stuff. Uh, do give it a chance to check it out. Ben does Saturday streaming to help you make your sit, start decisions. Uh, so there's all kinds of great perks that we're offering. And just, if you like the show, uh, you know, help support the show, help us make more of these episodes. Um, I also wanted to, uh, my boys asked me to give them a shout-out here at the end of the episode so that they could hear themselves uh, on the podcast. So, uh, hi Donovan, very proud of your excellent report card that just came back, and I hope that you earn your yellow belt in Taekwondo in a couple weeks here. And hi Logan, my younger guy, uh, great work at swimming, can't wait to uh, hang out with you this weekend. And with that, I just want to remind you to play smart and keep your shifts short.